Welcome to another episode of Ready Teacher One. I'm Adam Mangana. And I'm Ryan McLaughlin. And with us tonight is Steve Grubbs, the CEO of Victory XR. Steve, it is such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you for joining us. I am so excited to finally make it on the show. I feel like I've hit the big time. Yeah, well, you know, we uh, we had Renee on last season, who's the chancellor of the Victory XR Academy. So I think that our listeners are probably for the most part familiar with what you all do. But maybe for those that are new to the show, would you just give us a, a quick overview of all the many wonderful things that Victory XR is up to? Yes, Victory XR focuses on both AR and VR. Our big push right now is our Victory XR Campus and Academy, which is, you know, if you think about it, and you guys both know this, from about 2016, and even before then, but until 2020, a lot of schools and classes were trying VR in the classroom. Let's, let's try some VR. But, but what I think has changed, really, the, uh, the paradigm shift is that we went from trying VR in the classroom to the classroom being VR. Yeah. So, you know, you, you had these asynchronous experiences where you'd put on the headset and dissect a frog or, or tour Anne Frank's uh, home to today, what, what Ryan, you just completed doing, or you're in the middle of, uh, is teaching inside VR in a synchronous environment with live students in a, in a real classroom, at least a digital twin of a real classroom. Right. And, and that's been where we've put most of our time the last nine months. And uh, we've got some just crazy, fun, and exciting things we're rolling out in the next uh, six months. That's tremendous. And yes, I did just finish teaching uh, SAT math. Uh, today was the last lesson for uh, Victory XR Academy. And what a treat it was. You guys have done a wonderful job building out um, just a beautiful 3D campus on the Engage platform. And uh, what a treat it was to teach in it. Um, we would love to ask you about all of the great things you have going on with Morehouse right now. Because we've got to, you know, we've gotten the chance to read the articles, but we'd love to hear it straight from the source here. Um, tell us about Morehouse. Yeah, so, so we launched Morehouse College uh, in February, and, and actually we just uh, signed Washington State University as well. And, and Congrats. Probably five more schools coming on in the next uh, few weeks. So wow. Morehouse College is, as you may know, uh, if not the leading HBCU, certainly right up there. Uh, their, their alumni include Martin Luther King, Spike Lee, Samuel L. Jackson, uh, Herman Cain, just, just a really elite group of alumni. And, and so we were talking, we'd done a summer program with them, and they asked us, you know, some, what are some interesting things that could be done? And I suggest, you know, let's take it to the next level. Your students are off campus. We have this pandemic going on. Why don't, instead of putting them in front of a 2D screen to learn, let's just take them into a virtual reality campus and, and begin teaching. So Deshante Carmen, who's been just in the, I, I tell you what, a lot of times you get into universities and colleges and, and they move slowly, right? It's glacial sure. progress. Absolutely. This guy, Deshante, the project manager, he ushered this thing through. He found four professors who are progressive and, and willing to move quickly. They worked with Renee Gadelli, our chancellor, and to, to be taught how to, as you went through, through this concept, you know, how do you teach in, in this digital yeah. twin VR campus? You know, because it's largely the same, but, but it's different. 
Yeah, you got to get your sea legs under you for sure. Exactly. So, so we took these four professors, and, and one is teaching biology, men's health, and another or inorganic chemistry. Uh, they have a, a retired United States Naval officer who teaches world history. And then the one starting this summer is a uh, fantasy literature class. And, and so, uh, you know, I, I won't talk about it all, but I'll just tell you a few of the highlights that are just amazing. So, for example, as you know, a, a classroom, we have some traditional classrooms, a science lab, an auditorium, et cetera. But in a virtual reality, on a virtual reality campus, your classrooms can be different. So Professor Vereen asked us to uh, build a barbershop because uh, young black men uh, would potentially feel more comfortable sitting around a barbershop and talking about some very frank issues related to, to health. And so we said, okay, we'll build it for you. And that was something we would have never thought of on our own. And then we have a classroom that's a fallopian tube. Have you ever gone to class in the fallopian tube? Can't say that I have. <laughs> <laughs> but, but now you can. If you're learning about health and, and reproductive systems, well, probably a pretty good place to learn. Better and than a vast difference for sure. Yes, it, it's crazy. And then um, Professor Hamilton asked us, uh, he, teaching World War II history, uh, he asked us to build him a battleship, a World War II battleship. So he teaches an entire class on the battleship, which is, which is amazing. Um, then in inorganic chemistry, they, they take you know, mo molecules, which we all know we can't see, but now they're big enough that you can see them, you can break them apart, you can put them back together. Uh, and and you know, maybe my favorite is, is for uh, the, the fantasy literature class. So Danny, who I think you've met, uh, uh, yeah, so, so Danny's our lead technologist and he built Mistvale College. And Mistvale College is like something out of a Harry Potter movie. And so the fact that you get to learn in this medieval classroom building, it's just, it's just really extraordinary. So, um, so Morehouse College is teaching four classes and, and these, each student has their own Oculus Quest headset. They put it on, they come into class and they're there live with their professor and they get, and they get to learn. And it's, it's a, otherwise they would be at home learning through a 2D screen, you know, sort of like what we're doing right now, which in a lot of cases is fine. Sure. But if you want to have a, an extraordinary lab, this is the way to do it. Steve, let me ask you this. There, there are several options for social VR in the marketplace. Uh, we just had our friend Chris Madsen on the show from Engage. Why did you guys decide to engage, engage as the, uh, you know, kind of base layer technology for what you're building on top of? Yeah, we love the Engage platform. Now, I think that what we do could be done on a number of these platforms because there's they're certainly more than, than one great platform. But as we examined them, uh, what we liked about Engage was A, they have a team that's willing to work for us. They're willing to listen to us. You know, there, there's some platforms owned by large tech companies that if I tried to get them to make a change to, to improve it, I think it'd be a pretty challenging uh, lift. But with uh, the team at Immersive Learning that built the Engage platform, 
they regularly talk to us. We, we provide feedback. We provide suggestions on things that would improve the platform. And then frequently those suggestions happen. So, so they're agile, uh, they listen, and they have a lot of great tools built in uh, that you can import 3D objects, we can build our own environments and classrooms. And in having the flexibility to do this, it's allowed us to build literally the world's largest academic campus uh, in virtual reality. And, and I know there's not a lot of competition in that space, but <laughs> there might we're be still might the be biggest. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Steve, when did you personally become convinced that virtual reality is the next best step for education? And what was it that convinced you? Yeah, you know, I was sort of fascinated by it. And then um, I bought a little cardboard deal and I put my phone in it, downloaded the New York Times. It was really just 360 video at that point. I didn't really completely understand the whole thing, but, but I, I looked around and I said, okay, this is really immersive. This is a, a next level way to learn. And so, um, you know, my father was a school teacher. I formerly was a state legislator, state legislator in the state of Iowa and wrote the first technology bill. And I was chair of the education committee. And, and so back then, this was in the, 90s, early 90s. And I really believed that technology could improve the way students learned. And so we spent a lot of money on education, but the challenge is you really have, students have to love to learn. When you love to learn something, uh, it's not learning at all. You just, okay. you just, you just swallow it all. Right. Um, right. And, and I wanted to take this new technology and create a place where students loved to learn and loved it so much that they sought it out. And I, you know, we certainly have a long way to go, but I think we've gotten there. And, and, and I figured that out just by tasting VR so that when Oculus released and Vive released the Rift and the Vive in the summer of 2016, we were ready to launch our company. I'd raised some money, we got off the ground and, did, and, and hit the ground running. Steve, what do you think uh, the barriers are to a school saying, hey, I'm going to go wholesale VR, no Zoom, no in-person. We're going to do, you know, uh, uh, what's, what's the barrier to a, a local uh, Iowa school, charter school saying, hey, we're just going to build an online VR school and that's all we're going to do? So, uh, first of all, let me tell you that uh, the barriers are few. Second of all, we are working with a school that should be launching in the next uh, couple weeks that will be doing something very close to that. We'll be testing it out. So American High School is a school out of Miami. They have 2,100 students worldwide, and they were born as a 100% online school. Now, now, who was doing this 10 years ago? Not many people. They've no. never had a geographic campus. And so they reached out to us and said, you know, we need to know what's happening here because we stay ahead of the curve. And so they will be launching their first, I think, four classes in VR for students around the world. Um, and, and so, but getting back to your question, here are the steps. Step one, 
uh, make a commitment to test it out, to try one, two, three, four classes, completely in VR. Step two, decide whether you're going to do it completely in a VR headset or whether you're going to give students the option of uh, participating in VR or through a PC. Because as you know, you can do it through a PC and it's like playing Fortnite or um, uh, Call of Duty or something like that. So, so the hardware decision is Participating in the browser, right? For our yeah. listeners who don't understand what you're saying. Yep. Yes, that, that's exactly right. Thank you. Um, and and that's, that's a big decision, but not necessarily consequential. Um, and we have some institutions that are taking the uh, hardware neutral route. And like Morehouse College, every student gets a headset. Third, uh, and this is very important, you have to choose the right educators. People who are, I think, A, naturally curious, B, willing to tackle new technologies, C, people who have fun in life. Because this is, I mean, you really can never, if, if you go into teaching in VR and you teach a boring class, you are a <laughs> terrible, terrible teacher. VR can't save you. <laughs> You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Because you have all the tools at your fingertips to make it a fun and interesting and a class where students are going to learn and retain far more than otherwise. So you got to, so step three, pick the right person and, and step four, commit to your budget. And it's not that much money. So, um, you know, different, different organizations I'm sure have, have different amounts of money that they pursue on this, but uh, Mundelein high school, Mundelein school district, North shore of Chicago, they just finished building a $23.5 million STEM center. All atom-based, you got to drive to it. Um, it's a finite space. You can't go up to a starship. They don't have a time machine, all that money, and they didn't get a time machine in there. Right, there you Good go. Point. No, you can't go dig for dinosaur bones. And my point, and you can't even pull a human heart out of a human body, $23.5 million, I know. So my point is for $25,000, you can have a license for an entire cart of VR headsets, uh, a, a license for all of those headsets, and you can have access to the greatest STEM center anyone has ever imagined for and, literally- And Missville College. And Missville College. Exactly, and Missville College. So, so for, for one one-hundredth of a percentage point to the actual cost. So the people tell me, oh, it's expensive. It's not expensive. It's right. just a matter of making a commitment on how you're going to uh, spend your curriculum budget, your hardware budget, or maybe some of these dollars everybody's getting from the federal government. So, it's, so one thing, there's one thing to teach traditional academic subjects in VR. But there's a lot of, and you're coming from a political background, there are a lot of politicians out there that want to support CTEs and look at alternative routes to, um, to, the, to, to the careers, maybe something different than what college looks like. Are you guys offering anything that is like uh, 
teaching kids how to develop VR in VR so people could learn how to develop VR remotely? Yeah, so we've started down that path. Um, we have a, an educator, Alex Fernandez, who did, does some, some of that work. He's, he'd be an interesting person to have on your show. But we also recently um, struck a deal with um, the Associated General Contractors. So these are the people in every state, the organization who works on behalf of construction companies and, and contractors. And their problem is, there are a lot of people that used to go into the trades, but a lot fewer today despite the fact that it pays really well. Right. And so uh, we created uh, an initial effort where we first are taking kids to construction sites. Like if your mom is a lawyer, you know, go to work with your mom day, easy. If your mom is driving heavy cons construction equipment, well, a little bit of live on site. That's right. Right, right. right. But now you can go on site. And so, so that was our first step. And, and the second step in, in our roadmap with that is to actually teach kids the trades. And so, and that, that doesn't have to be just like being a carpenter or a skilled electrician, whatever the case might be. I think also we want to teach some uh, computer engineering, some computer science. And so that's actually on our list is to find a, a computer science teacher to teach a class this summer. Fascinating. Steve, Adam and I both <clears throat> talk to a lot of educators. He and I have spent many years, um, both of us have in education and talked to principals and teachers. And it struck us both that there are very few people in education in America right now who even know that any of this is going on, who even know that virtual reality, um, as the three of us know, is about to change the landscape of education forever. In fact, I've had a couple of conversations with folks telling them about uh, the SAT math prep class that I've done for Victory XR. Um, and I've said, oh, I'm teaching math and VR. And they've looked at me and said, what? What, what do you mean in VR? You mean, you mean virtual? You mean Zoom? No, I don't. Um, why is the broader population of educators in America right now not talking about any of this? What's going on there? Yeah, you know, with the adoption of any technology, there are certain laws of nature that nothing can change. Well, sure. I guess a pandemic changed uh, some of that pretty quickly. <laughs> sure, but, sure. Um, in normal times, very, very little can change. And, and, and that's the, the adoption of new things, right? It doesn't matter whether it's um, televisions, whether it's smartphones, there, there's, a, there's a reliable curve that looks like a hockey stick. Okay. And, and that curve almost never changes. Now, sometimes the front end of it is a little shorter, but that, that curve always, always looks the same. It's one of those rules of nature. And so I believe that we're, we're still in the flat part, but we are approaching very quickly, in part due to the uh, untethered headsets and the lower cost of, of some of those, we're very quickly reaching the bottom of the sharp upward curve. And then what happens is that you, you have 
a few people who are influencers that begin talking about it. And I can just tell you from our experience, this is rapidly beginning every day now. We're getting more contacts and, you know, this is the uh, second show like this today. And, and this is happening a lot more. And so we're rapidly approaching that sharp upward curve and we're going to see it a lot of movement this year, but 2022 is probably the breakout year. Uh, Apple will come out with their new headset and that'll drive a lot of adoption. Facebook will not be left behind in the, in the battle. And then we've got a lot of other great companies that are coming out with glasses and, and other new tech so that within three years from today, everybody that is a early adopter or moderate adopter will have the hardware necessary. Yeah, and speaking of folks coming out with new hardware, you know, we just saw that Microsoft has signed a huge deal with the United States military to develop um, some AR headsets for them. Uh, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. We've had some differing opinions from guests about the relative importance of VR versus AR. Uh, obviously, Victory XR is developing mostly in VR, but tell us, uh, tell us why those two things might be important, which one you lean towards, which one has greater potential in education. Uh, where do you stand on the breakdown between VR and AR? Yeah, we consider ourselves a spatial learning company. So we're, we're completely agnostic as to whether the device that's used. So AR and VR is really nothing more than what device are you going to use? And, and so, you know, if AR right now, you're going to use your phone or your tablet. And, and there's a few AR glasses out there in real and, and uh, uh, a few others, third eye. Magic Leap, yeah. Yeah, yeah Magic Leap, right. Um, and, and, you know, HoloLens is sort of a blend. But the, the real issue is deployment and, and, and quality of uh, experience. And so we have some really amazing AR products. You know, if you've seen Victor the Torso or our, uh, sure. our card playing decks, these are some really great products, but you have to use your phone for it. And so we provide a free app for every single student. And then the school just buys like the, the piece of, you know, the, the torso or whatever the case might be. So um, as we will shift to AR pretty aggressively, when the consumer level AR glasses are ready and, and working well. And, and I don't think that will take away from the VR portion of it because the VR portion of it is, is here to stay now. And it's just going to move more quickly in the short term. In the next five years, AR will quickly catch up and probably pass it, but we'll play in both spaces. What percentage of the content you're creating do you build in Unreal versus Unity? Do you have a preference there? Do you have more folks working in Unity because of the work you're doing in Engage? What's your preference on game engine platform? Yeah, you know, um, it's in, that's a really good question. Right now, 100% Unity. Okay. Not because we have anything against Unreal. When we were first looking at which platform that we were going to invest in, um, Unity seemed to be the better choice at the time and, and probably still is the better choice for what we do. But uh, there's a lot that I see coming out of Unreal that's just amazing and just looks beautiful. Um, because we mostly operate right now on mobile graphic chips, uh, 
strikes me, and I could be wrong about this, but it strikes me that Unity is still probably the best platform. But I think what's exciting is that they're both available out there. They've democratized uh, 3D development and Absolutely. it really has changed the world and it will change the way we learn, the way we are entertained, the way we play. It, it will change everything. It makes the whole metaverse possible. Steve, that's a great answer. Let me ask you one other question on the supply side of this equation. How, how do you solve, as a, as a leader in this space, as a thought leader in this space, how do you, you know, solve the, um, what, what seems obvious to me, the, the supply side problem of finding talent? You know, where are you going to scale VR developers as people throw these headsets on? You know, we don't have too much trouble finding talent. Maybe it's just simply because people want to work for a company that's doing good and it's a little bit smaller company. They get to do a diversity of uh, different things. You know, when you're in a really big company and you're a Unity developer, you do like once, like all day long, you do shading. You know, I got a friend of mine who worked in uh, the movie industry and all he did all day, every day was shading. And he was one of hundreds of these guys. Sounds thrilling. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I couldn't believe it. Like, of course, he, you know, he did it for like two years and was gone. Um, sure. in, in a shop like ours, we could do a lot of different things. The real challenge is not so much. Here's the real challenge. What, what we want in, in this space are creatives that also have some coding and, and that's the interesting blend. So I've got a lot of really good coders and you need coders, but you also need creatives. And, and you know, you've met Danny and, and Danny is one of those guys who really has a great balance between coding and creative. And, and he's building some amazing worlds that, uh, that, that people love. And so that's the trick is not finding people, it's the art of hiring somebody who's well-balanced. And it, you know, it may not be the guy who is the top of the IQ test, but you don't want that guy. You want a guy who is half creative and half coder. And that's like a rare beast out there in the wild. I love it, love that that's answer. That's a great answer. For our listeners who are teachers who are listening to this conversation and they think, all right, I'm convinced, I'm in, I'm, I, I want VR to be a part of my educational practice, I want to be involved with everything that's going on in VR and education, what advice do you have for those folks? You know, first, commit to dipping your toe in the water. So it's easy to do, you know, most principals or the PTA, or the local United Way grant, or Walmart, or any of these places. There are places to find money to dip your toe in the water, buy 10 headsets, 10 licenses, and, and start consuming VR in, in the education space. It's not that expensive. I mean, literally for $10,000, you can have 10 amazing headsets, 10 full licenses, and, and really change the way students view education. So, um, you know, $5,000, you can still dip your toe in the water. So you commit to doing that. And, and, and we have some programs where we can help school districts that fit the right uh, income 
demographic. So um, commit to that. And then second, spend some time learning. We have created an entire library of teaching uh, YouTube videos that, that show educators how to learn and teach in VR, how to make it a part of their classroom. And then third, even if you have to start with after school, or you know, we've got an area for a chess club on our campus, we have an area for bag toss, you know, we have an area for students to meet with student groups, let them do some of that. And then you know, perhaps have a tutoring class or an outside the classroom class, if, if that's what it takes. Uh, to, to demonstrate to the principal or the superintendent or the school board that this is a viable way where students will retain more information and they will love learning. That, those are my recommendations. Steve, what if somebody says, hey, look, the way I would like to dip my toe into the water is I would just like to have access to your campus. I, you know, I'm, I don't know that I know how to teach in VR. I want to teach my regular classes but I hate Zoom and I just want to have access to your classes, I already have headsets. How much would it be to just license that beautiful campus that you've created that's the biggest in uh, the metaverse? 175 US dollars wow. for one license for an entire 12 months. So, so basically $15 a month gets you access- Per headset, per headset basically. Per headset, yeah. And, and that gets you a license that gives you access to all of Ryan's SAT math classes that have been recorded in Can't, be. Can't be beat. So your students can come in and try that. It gets you access to the student lounge. It gets you access to all, all of our live classes. It's, it's the single best deal in education. It's not gonna be that price forever. But right now, as we're getting started, it's a bargain. 175 bucks per headset per year. That's tremendous. Uh, maybe we'll have to talk online about bulk pricing. <laughs> See what we can do. Well, Steve, we like to always wrap up our shows with uh, a segment that we call the Furious Five. And it's just five kind of more lighthearted questions, kind of more get to know you sorts of questions um, that we ask rapid fire. You know, we encourage quick answers uh, just to have a little fun at the end of the show here. Uh, without any further ado, First question, what's the best movie or TV show you've seen recently? Uh, watching Counterpart uh, on uh, Amazon Prime. It's, um, it's such a great show. Nice. What's the best meal you've eaten recently? Mm, probably uh, the salmon at 1832 Reserve here at the, in the Lake of the Ozarks where I have my lake home. Very nice, very nice. What's your favorite book of all time? Um, well, it's not so politically correct anymore. <laughs> I used to love Gone with the Wind, but I don't think you're supposed to say that anymore. But when I was a kid, that just was- Just don't tell cool. Morehouse that, don't you? <laughs> I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, and also uh, Atlas Shrugged. There you go. Well, that's, there we go. Welcome to the Libertarian Party. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Who is somebody that you follow on social media that you think all of our listeners should stop what they're doing and go follow right now? Oh, wow. That is a, I would say probably, uh, wow, you got me on that one. There's so many. 
other than Steve Grubbs, of course. Yes, yes. Well, um, I would say Brian McLaughlin. Wow. Yeah, I agree with that. There you go. <laughs> Folks, I have not paid anyone to give that answer. That was completely off the cuff there. Um, the last question for the Furious Five is – uh, a question we like to call the contrarian question, and it's really Adam's question. So at this point in the show, I always hand the mic back to him. <laughs> Steve, what do you know true about social VR that other VR development companies might disagree with you on? What I believe to be true that some may disagree on is that uh, design really matters. That um, and, and I know everybody pays uh, lip service to that, but when you see design in a lot of the metaverse, frankly, it's really uninspiring. And so I certainly haven't been all over the metaverse, but if you take a look at the work we're doing, I think it we put extra effort into great design that is great even though it's optimized uh, for for mobile graphic chips and um, design really matters more than people realize love that answer, Tremendous answer. Steve Tremendous la answer. last question I want to I want to add one other piece um, you know it it, it it feels to me like um, I'm getting a little bit of a, a libertarian vibe do you see any intersection between VR and other emerging technologies like blockchain or uh, AI that you're kind of excited about? And if you could wave a magic wand and have the technology advance in another kind of 10x uh, experience like we had during the pandemic, what, what are you excited about and what would you wave your magic wand for VR to be able to do that you could sell off the shelf if it was 10x better? Yeah, so uh, interesting you asked that question because I am all over that. This is a higher level answer that only a few people who really get it will understand. But, but those who do get it already know it, so maybe it's irrelevant. Uh, we are entering a new world that very few people realize is happening. You know, that because some money is starting to move in the new world, Wall Street types are starting to pay attention to it. But what we will see happen over the next five to seven years is various metaverses will be created. The currencies in those metaverses will be independent of uh, the currencies of countries. And the goods in those metaverses will be digital, but will also have the option to connect back to an atom-based good. And this currency will start out as, uh, as, as we're seeing them, you know, it's some sort of cryptocurrency, uh, but it is within the metaverse that, and if people don't understand what the metaverse is, I'll, I'll just pause real quick and just say it's, it's this, this world that we're all building um, inside the virtual reality world made up of digital twin lands and objects and things and places and and the whole world will become a metaverse the whole this whole world will exist using cryptocurrencies um nfts are uh, another piece 
of the technology stack that had to occur to make this happen. Inexpensive VR headsets is another piece that had to happen. That's done. Um, the cryptocurrencies were, was a piece of the tech stack that had to happen, and that's done. Pretty much every single piece of the tech stack that was necessary to make the metaverse come to fruition is now in place. And what is lacking is just simply um, the time to put it together, to educate people how it all works together, and to let the systems begin to, uh, to, to, to work together in a harmonious way. And, and that will take a lot of time in just working things out and mistakes and failures and successes, but it, it's inevitable now. There's nothing that can stop it. You heard it here first on Ready Teacher One. Steve, thank you so, so much. Where can our listeners follow you on social media? Um, on Twitter, it's at Grubbs, but uh, I'm most active on LinkedIn, uh, which just search Steve Grubbs and you'll find me. And then uh, also um, Facebook. Uh, you can find my personal page, but uh, probably the Victory XR page is better, is the best. Steve, Victory, Victory XR is lucky to have you at the helm. We are cheering you on from afar and so Victory proud fans. of the good work you're doing. Absolutely. I very much appreciate coming on to the show and making Ready Teacher One. It's been a dream. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. We'll have to have you back. Thank you so much, Steve. Okay, thanks. Have a wonderful evening. Thank you. Take care. Uh -huh.